Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. Europod. This is Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. We work with independent journalists to cover stories on the ground. In today's episode, we'll take you behind the scenes of Europe Talks Back. Our producer, Maria Dios, will take it from here. For today's episode, we have invited Jenny Tsiropoulou. She is a reporter on the ground for our previous episode, which was about music and depopulation in the rural areas of Greece. Jenny Tsiropoulou is a freelance journalist based in Athens. Jenny, welcome. Hello, Maria. Thanks for having me here. So, Jenny, you are the reporter on the ground and scriptwriter of our previous episode, which was about a unique festival that takes place in abandoned villages in Greece. But before talking about the work we have done together for this episode, could you tell us a little bit about you? I'm a journalist based in Athens, in Greece. I've been working in uh, documentary production, in podcasts, again, in the past with you. I'm a writer and I work on different kinds of stories from refugees, migrants, identities to environment. Great. Thanks for that overview. You have a quite diverse and broad career. If I may add, as you said, we have worked together in the past on another podcast for Europod and Esfera Network. The title of this production is 108, The Fall of Press Freedom in Greece. I believe the title already says a lot about the topic, so I won't take too much time talking about it. But I do want to acknowledge uh, Jenny's role as a scriptwriter, because I believe you have a great capacity to build engaging narrations around the personal stories of your characters. So you did it in 108, and now you have done it again for Eurotoxpec. So Jenny, I'm curious, how do you pick your main characters when you are looking for a story? Thanks a lot for all these kind words. <laughs> so in that case, I really like the story. And already my main character was there for me. It's Dimitris Mistakidis. It's uh, a musician I love and respect. He's also a music professor. And he's a, a man who is very, very active when it comes to social issues. Um, he's very close to young people. And uh, what I really admire uh, when it comes to Dimitris Mistakidis is that... Um, For example, there is a femicide, there is a, a racism problem in the city he lives, and within a couple of days he writes a new song, it gets viral, and it touches really our minds, our souls. So he's not just a professional musician who performs, make ends meet from music, but he's also very close to the society's heartbeat. 
So let's move on to the story that you cover for Euro Talkspect. You already introduced a little bit about the main character, but let's go deeper into the main topic. I always start by asking our contributors to try an elevator pitch. So how would you convince our listeners to listen to your episode? Okay, if you were in Greece for a couple of days and uh, you met someone and talked to you about this uh, meeting, this music uh, festival I went to, I can guarantee you wouldn't miss it for the world. You would definitely do everything possible to be there yourself. So now you couldn't be there yourself. I was there for you. I did my best to transmit the atmosphere, the feeling, and the deepest story behind that uh, music festival. So I'm sure you wouldn't miss it. So don't miss this podcast either. Great. And can you tell us a little bit about the deep topic that is behind this festival? So first of all, allow me to explain something. It's not a festival. And uh, it's very normal that you use this word because me either, I didn't really know which word I should use. But uh, Dimitris Mistakidis, during our interview, he kept talking about a meeting. It's a meeting of people and I will explain now immediately more deeper what it's about. So Dimitris Mistakidis is a traveler. He loves uh, driving motorcycles and driving in Greece. And uh, he's also a musician, as you already know. So combining these two, he was traveling a lot in villages that you couldn't even access by proper roads. There was no infrastructure. So at some point, he got really sad seeing all these abandoned villages in Greece, lost in the mountains, anywhere on the Greek map. And he said, okay... We are musicians, we love what we're doing, we love the Vix country and its landscapes and especially the countryside, so why don't we combine these two and make like a music meeting for two or three days in near empty or ghost villages in order to give a second life even for these few days to these places that we love and that makes us sad that they are that forgotten. Right. So in our previous episode, we traveled to one of these villages. It's called Helidona, an abandoned village for our drive away from Athens to attend the fifth edition of Musicians Ex Machina. We followed Dimitris Mistakidis in the great task of bringing life to this ghost village. I have to say that I was quite impressed by his commitment to the Greek society because I believe he's an example of the role music and art in general can have in a society. It's well known that music is an essential aspect of all human civilizations and has the power to emotionally and culturally affect society. But I think he takes it to the next level. He's actively advocating for a change in Greece from his lyrics with a strong political message, as you told us earlier, to the organization of this meeting in depopulated areas. So I'm curious to know if this is something that the attendees to this meeting and other musicians shared during this meeting. How was the mood when you arrived there? Was everyone concerned about the phenomena of ghost villages? And perhaps you can share some context on how this issue is perceived in Greece for the general society. 
Okay, we met at this village, Hilidona, people from all around Greece. We all had to drive many hours in difficult roads. And this is important to say that how these villages are kind of uh, missing the essential infrastructure. And it's one of the reasons that nowadays it's not easy for someone to take the decision to migrate there. It's just one of them, not uh, the essential reason. So yeah, as for the atmosphere and the people during those days at the meeting, it was amazing, Maria. Like uh, we felt that um, we left behind somewhere in the city All our stress, uh, feelings of uh, anxiety, competition between people that uh, we all have to face in our jobs, for example. Like, it was fantastic, really. People could uh, feel for you no matter what uh, sort of problem you had, and they would help you solve whatever. This is something this Dimitris Mistakidis kept telling me during these days. Like, it's unbelievable how every little problem that uh, comes up, everyone is standing by me to solve it all together. Because you don't have, like, the organizer, someone higher in the pyramid of the organization that is going to solve the problems for you. It's like a collective and we're all there very consciously trying to spend three days just being happy and um, taking care of ourselves and each other. You could feel that in every moment while playing music, singing, dancing, while, you know, sharing a glass of wine and discussing with people They would open their hearts to you and uh, share issues that um, they have to deal with. And uh, regarding the other part of your question, how people perceive this issue of ghost villages, it is something that makes us sad anyways, because you see these beautiful villages having no human beings and what is a place without human beings at the end of the day. But the interesting part was that, as you heard in my podcast, many of these people, they are thinking of moving back to a village. And this was something that during the economic crisis, we heard about it a lot. Like we read articles in the newspapers about young people, well-educated, going back to their villages to become farmers in more alternative ways with using new technologies, social media, etc., etc. And the second wave was uh, during COVID and the lockdowns. Again, many people like realized that they can work remote from anywhere. So why spending their lives in a very expensive city uh, with lots of air pollution, house rents, like uh, very, very expensive. So, but they are all worried about like abandoned health services in um, the countryside, in villages in Greece, lack of infrastructure, as I said earlier. And another thing is loneliness on a social level and on a personal level, first of all. So they are worried that if they go there and they don't have already a partner to go with, it's going to be very hard. It is as if they will have to realize that from now onwards, it's impossible to meet any new potential partner. Yeah, and to build a family. Sadly, the population in rural areas is 
something common in Europe. We're talking about Greece, but I have also seen this with my own eyes in Spain, where I am from. So discovering that initiatives like these can help the inhabitants of small villages and bring attention to the administrations, it feels very encouraging. That's why I was a bit surprised when in the episode we heard how a local government didn't want to support the festival and to help the organization of this meeting. Uh, what is your take on that? Were you surprised as well? Unfortunately, Maria, I cannot say I was uh, pretty much surprised. We are very used in Greece with uh, local governors, mayors and politicians in general of high level as well, that uh, they want to be in front of uh, different sort of initiatives. So if they cannot gain something out of that politically, they won't support it. I wish I were surprised, to be honest, but unfortunately I wasn't. Yeah, I guess it's not easy to find potential votes in areas where there is no people. So I guess they could be less interesting, but it's quite a grim picture, I could say. But Jenny, during the episode, we discover secondary stories of people that were touched by musicians ex machina, stories of those who were inspired by this amazing meeting. I would like to end on a positive note. So my last question to you is, have other initiatives similar to these emerged following this meeting? Have the villages where this meeting took place in previous years changed in some way? So not yet. I'm not aware, to be honest, of any other new initiatives. But already, Maria, this is a very brand new one. It was only the fifth meeting, this one we attended. So I hope there are many more initiatives that we are not like um, informed about them in the sense that they are more local, maybe. And they are not very widespread yet and very big uh, so that we know about them. But it's funny that, uh, you know, even about uh, musicians ex machina, many people were saying during the meeting that, you know what, I didn't post it on my social media because I don't want it to become massive, you know. I think we were around 400 people as many people as this village used to have once. Nowadays it has five, six uh, permanent residents. And uh, you could feel that it couldn't take much more people, you know? Of course, the more the merrier, but uh, realistically speaking. So it was funny to hear these uh, comments from people participating. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, thank you very much too. As our interview with Jenny ends, it's time for our typical press review, this time about depopulation and initiatives fighting it back. One European citizen out of three lives in regions that witnessed a decline in population during the last decade, as highlighted by the European Commission. Particularly dramatic are the data coming from southeastern Europe, where depopulation rates have reached critical levels. In the rest of the continent, the data is less negative but remains alarming. Besides, the trend reported by the European Data Journalism Network is especially negative for the population of rural regions, where it has slowly decreased in the last 10 years. 
Despite the constantly threatened rural reality due to the population, concrete proposals are emerging in some territories to tackle this problem. As shown by Picara magazine, in Spain, there is a collective promoting coming back to rural regions by creating a safe space for LGBTI community. That's the objective of the organization Arenas Arcoiris for Arenas de San Pedro, a village of 6,500 inhabitants facing the population. Another example from Italy shows how the European countryside can reverse the population through agriculture and cultural heritage, as collected by Horizon. PM, a non-governmental organization, is helping refugees in their integration into Italian society while revitalizing rural areas by preserving local heritage. Over the past years, the organization has been working on a farm located in Asti, a 19th century village, reviving the cultivation of maize, traditionally grown in the region for making polenta. We have reached the end of this week's episode of Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. This show is part of the Sphera Network project and is available on Europod. Our sound design and mixing are by Jeremy Bouquet. My name is Maria Dios. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we will travel to Lake Como to discover how climate change is de-irritating Italy. Bye.